Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 112 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. How's everybody doing? What's happening, Barb? How are you? I'm okay. Yeah? I'm working. Work's coming back in the door and I'm super happy about that. We brought a bunch of our team members back, so I'm happy about that. And uh, life is good. How about you? How are you doing back at work? My first week back fantastic. I've been telling everybody, I can't tell you if I'm busy or I just don't know what I'm doing anymore. It seems weird. It's like, obviously, we're not as busy as we were before we closed, but it sure feels like I'm working just as hard. (laughs) Yeah, of course it does. And just getting back acclimated to everything after being so long, I'm sure that's a shock to the system. Oh, yeah. Getting up before noon. Yeah, it's tough. (laughs) Yep. I love it. Yeah. I'm happy about it. So, Barb, I see that you're on an upcoming webinar for the NADL. Yeah, I think it's on the 21st from 2 to 3 o'clock. We actually have a call today at 4.30, the group and I. It's navigating the new normal in dentistry, and I know we hear that tagline a lot. What is the new normal? This is the new normal. Um, So we're just going to be talking about how we get back and what does that look like and what do we need to be doing and thinking about. So I'm excited. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be real good. Those are some big names sitting down with you. Yeah. Rudy Ramirez, Larry Weiss, and Mike Cash, all big names in our industry, including yourself, of course. I'm hoping uh, you guys have a lot of good tidbits for us as we get back into opening up. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Like I said, we're talking today, so we'll get it together, and hopefully we'll be uh, presenting some information everybody can utilize. Yeah, just make sure you mention the podcast a lot on the webinar. You got it. Always. (laughs) Always looking to self-promote. Yep. We've been hearing a lot from different labs about opening up and bringing technicians back and even your webinars about labs doing that. Mm -hmm. But we thought it would be a good opportunity to talk to one of our vendors and sponsors of the podcast, Whitmix, to see how they've handled the COVID situation and how they're bringing everybody back. So today, I had a great conversation with a guy who just joined our industry as the Vice President of Marketing and New Business Development at Whitmix, Pat Higgins. Interesting conversation on how the vendor side dealt with the pandemic and how they're trying to stay relevant and how they're swinging back into production. So join us as we had a really great conversation with Pat Higgins. I'd like to welcome to the podcast today a very new person to our industry, from what I understand. You're the new Vice President of Marketing and New Business Development at Whitmix. We welcome Pat Higgins. How are you, sir? I'm doing great today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Now that I'm back at the lab working, I'm very excited to have purpose in life again. (laughs) Yeah, Amen to that. I think we're all, all excited to get things back up and going. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is kind of talk to a vendor, Whitmix, about how COVID has affected your guys' side of things. We hear a lot about laboratories and how they're coping with the dentist closing and how they're starting to revamp back up. But tell me, what did Whitmix kind of go through when this all first hit? I guess we have to say early, mid-March, when things started shutting down. Yeah, well, as you can imagine... 
our primary end user is the dentist and the lab. And when they shut down dentists and labs, we get shut down as well. So we had a very similar trajectory that you guys had. We went from you know, having the best quarter of our existence down mm. to about 20% revenue overnight. Yeah. We laid off somewhere around 60% of our workforce and, and we're still under layoff right now. We are slowly bringing people back and we went to work on what can we continue to do. A big portion of our business is schools. And luckily, some of the schools from our articulator line have continued to order. But we really went through a lot of the same that, that you guys did. Our first step was to move people working remotely. And we did that. We sent a lot of people home to work. Mm -hmm. And then just essential staff stayed here at the plant. And then from that first wave, we actually did another layoff wave that most of those people that were working from home then went into a, a layoff. Sure. So- for the most part, it's been essential staff and our sales group has stayed out working, trying to be our voice to the customer and make sure they know that, um, you know, we're here when they're ready to get going. Well, you mentioned you do a lot with schools. Are you seeing an anticipation of schools opening up in the new school year? Yes. At this point in time, everything has been on track for schools and their dental programs to continue to go forward. We haven't really had too many schools at all push back on their articulator orders and their kit orders. Mm -hmm. So that tells us that uh, they are planning to go into session when school starts back up here. That's great because yep. I know a lot of people are worried about what's going to happen in the fall and if they'll, everything will be up and running. We have no guarantees of that, obviously, sure. but all we can do is look at the orders that we're receiving and kind of make a guess based on that. And at this point in time, we feel positive that the dental side will be open here in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, labs are starting to open again. Are you guys starting to see orders starting to trickle in more and more every day? Yes, we're starting to see a little bit of movement and there are small orders, you know, labs, obviously, as you can imagine, aren't going full full force at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, very small amount of orders trickling in. It's mostly from some dealer side business that we're starting to receive. But small stuff here and there. What's kind of neat is that from the digital side of our business, our Siegel line of printers, those have started to come in and people are starting to take those in preparation for when they open back up to get going on the digital side of their business. You mean ordering the printers? Correct. Yeah. So we had, Oh, we, nice. Yeah. So we had orders prior to all this happening. Mm -hmm. And instead of pushing off those orders, a lot of these labs are going ahead and taking those, getting ready and prepared for when it opens back up. Oh, that's amazing. That's great yeah. to hear that optimism is still there. A hundred percent. Yeah. So at what staff level, I mean, like percentage wise, is Whitmix down to at this point? So we are now, interestingly enough, we were probably down to around... 40 something percent. We've started to bring some back Good. and we're right around 60%. And part of the reason for that was you kind of asked, what did you guys do when all this, this hit? Mm -hmm. We went straight to work on how can we help with PPE, quite frankly. Okay, we, great. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at our facility and said, hey, we have a bank of 3D printers. We make resin in-house and we have biocompatible resins. So what can we do to help with this process? And we learned real quick that we can make face shields. Oh, nice. Yeah. So we uh, we went to work and brought some staff back to, to help build these face shields. And actually, we donated over a thousand face shields to the local hospital here in Louisville, Kentucky, Norton's Hospital. Mm -hmm. 
to help them with protection for the virus. And then what we've been doing today is across the country, dentist offices that we are in contact with or that make contact with us, we are still donating face shields to help them open up. So if they call us, we're limiting it to about five shields per practice, but we're shipping them at no charge. We're donating five face shields to help them have the proper PPE when they get up and going. And of course, that's not something that we do on a normal basis and we won't continue to do that. But while supplies last and while we have the the time on our equipment to be able to do this until business starts going again, we're happy to do it to help the dental industry get back up and going. Is that available to any dentist in any area of the country or exclusively to your guys' area in Louisville? No, we've shipped them all over the country. Nice, because I hear offices that they can't open because they can't get all the PPE equipment they need in order to open. So that's a great service that you guys provide. If you know the Steinbach family, you know that's where their heart is. They, yeah, absolutely. Uh, they you know, 100 years in dentistry, they live it, they breathe it, they love every part of the industry there is. And, and that was their way of saying, hey, how can we help to give back? And there wasn't a question asked of uh, how are we going to do it? It was, we're going to do whatever we can to, to put them back in business. And our biggest hangup is, is how many can we produce? We're not really in that business and we have a limited amount of supply for the face shields. Sure. So it's kind of first come, first serve. And then when it when it runs out, it runs out. But we're going to do as much of it as we can. That's great. I know you're a marketing guy and I don't know if you know the answer to this, but is there a resin that was normally used for dental products that you're using on the face shields? Absolutely. So we have our guide material uh-huh. and our splint material. Typically, we're using our splint material because it is biocompatible and it has a, a 510K. It's a hard splint material, so it prints the best and, and it's probably the best material for the product. Nice. That's great. Yeah. So what else has Whitmix been doing during this downtime? I've noticed Bernie yeah. doing a ton of Facebook videos interviewing different people. But what else has Whitmix been doing during these troubled times? Yeah, that's a great question. Really, we have tried to up our marketing campaign to grow awareness of Whitmix. And the interviews that Bernie, you've seen do, they're called quick takes. We've been interviewing all types of people in the industry just to kind of understand where they stand with COVID. We've been trying to get a look and feel of what does it look like, you know, a year from now? You know, what is the new norm? Mm -hmm. I talk to people all the time and say, America has a short memory. When 9-11, happened, you know, we're still traveling more than we ever traveled before, but we're just doing it differently. And this is going to affect us. We're going to be different, but we're still going to go to restaurants. We're still going to go out. We're still going to go to the dentist. We're still going to do everything we did because we're America and that's how we react. Yeah. Right. But, but it's going to be different. And what's that going to be? And how, as Whitmix, do we have to play in that world? And what do our end users, the dentists and the labs, what are they going to need from us as moves forward? And we're, so we're trying to do a lot of strategic planning around that to make sure that we're prepared for that and we can help as we move forward. And then we're really trying to grow our market awareness of who we are and what we do. We have a wonderful tradition of providing analog products, articulators, and the gypsum to the mm-hmm. market for 100 oh, sure. years. But, you know, we, we have a full line of resins and we have 3D printers and, and all types of digital products for digital dentistry. And we want to make sure that the industry knows that and that we're here to support them for that. So we've really done a kind of a concentrated effort to grow our awareness on the social media platforms, and the marketing platforms to where we can start delivering that message. Absolutely. It's a good time to do it. People are spending a lot more time online <laughs> yep. on social media because, right. you know, obviously no one's working as much as they were two months ago. But I think it's a perfect opportunity to get in front of technicians and labs and let them know what you have to offer and that you're working on the next steps. Absolutely. And we want them to know that 
when they're ready to, to get going, we're ready as well. And that we want to help them be a part of the future. Whatever this new look is, we want to be a resource for them, not only for equipment and things, but also educational and uh, anything that they need to make sure their business survives in the new norm, whatever that is. Absolutely. Do you guys have a date set or when you're hoping to have all the employees back in or are you just kind of playing it week by week or? Good question. So another thing I'm proud of our management team is every day we have a two o'clock meeting, a COVID meeting that we go through exactly where we stand on, you know, our current revenue situation, all those type of things and how we handling, you know, wearing masks internally, all those things to, to kind of set the stage of when will we be able to, to come back. We update date on a weekly basis, everybody that has been on layoff to let them mm-hmm. know what the new date is. So a long answer to your question is our tentative date to bring everybody back now is June 8th, but that's always subject to change based Absolutely. on, you know, it could speed up. It could happen quicker than that. And then again, it could, if revenue doesn't get to the point where we need it to, you know, it could push again, but we literally go through that meeting every single day. And then uh, we do a weekly call with everybody to update them on that. Everyone's department that is on layoff. We assure them that our plan is to bring you back. You're a Whitmix employee. And this is our new tentative date at this point in time. It's really no different than I think what a lot of labs are doing. I know that's what we're doing. We're wanting to bring people back. We kind of have a tentative date, but, you know, work's going to dictate. And also, unfortunately, government's going to dictate too. Oh, yeah. And also the ADA. You know, our plan is to bring everyone back. No matter what. I mean, that's our goal. Yeah, I think that should be everybody's goal, right? Yeah. You know, we, and, and we evaluate and make sure we take this time to look at our company and make sure that we're built the right way. And the hope is we bring every single person back and we're uh, we're structured the right way to move forward and whatever it looks like going forward. So I think everybody's trying to do the same thing. Yeah. You mentioned wearing masks. So how has the protocol for disinfecting changed in Whitmix. Now, I went to Whitmix, I think it was last year, and got a tour. Great facility, but something that stood out was how big the place is. Yeah. That must have been a heck of a scrub down that you guys had to do. (laughs) Yeah. Social distancing shouldn't be a problem. Every building was like a football field, (laughs) but... What changes other than just people wearing masks have you seen? Yeah, so we're following what the our governor and the CDC tells us here in the state of Kentucky. And yeah. so kind of one of those deals, whether we like it or not, we're leading by example and we're following what they tell us to do. So we do, after every meeting, we uh, have industrial cleaner and we wipe down every surface that we would have in a group meeting that, of course, we spread out, do our six feet of distancing and all that kind of good stuff. Sure. And we wear our masks, but after every single meeting, the entire room is wiped down. We try to do as many Zoom meetings, even internally, that Mm. we can to make sure that, you know, if it doesn't have to be an in-person meeting, then let's just go ahead and do a Zoom, even if it's, you know, three offices away from each other. We do a, uh, especially out in the plant, it's like every three hours or something. And I I don't want to, you know, I want to misspeak, but we we do a wipe down of all areas again, just because, you know, traffic throughout the scenario. Absolutely. We've done a deal where every door through hallways are all propped open. So we don't have to use handles to walk through doors at all anymore. They're all just wide open. And everybody is tasked with the goal of if you're in an area, you know, don't rely on a service to come clean. It's your duty to clean whatever area you're in. So all of us are are cleaning everywhere we go. I feel like I'm in a hospital environment around here, quite frankly. It's like the, it's like the cleanest area I've ever been in. So yeah. uh, it's great. What about products being shipped out? Is that protocol changing at all? Um, 
Yes, as in we are doing some cleaning on products that go out to make sure that they're wiped down and uh, we wear gloves and masks when we're Mm -hmm. manufacturing the products. But outside of that, it doesn't go through any official sanitation or sterilization process that would go through. It's just basic wipe down and the user or the line worker is actually wearing gloves and masks during the process. Well, that's where COVID comes from is the people. So (laughs) making sure it's protected there. I mean, I'm sure most products leaving Whitmix have always been some sort of regulation of making sure it's clean before it goes out. But just this extra step we're all having to do. I mean, even on our end, as we QC cases and send crowns out, you know, we've always cleaned them. But now we take that little extra precaution. The QC person has masks and gloves, and, yep. and it's just, it's the new norm, I guess. So. Yep, that's exactly what we're going through. Yeah. So what's next for Whitmix? Do you guys have anything exciting kind of on the horizon after this new norm, or is it just trying to get back to business as normal? And I appreciate that question, and absolutely not business as normal. I mean, we want to be back and going at you know our core businesses that we've done forever. Obviously, we're excited to get back and going on that. But I think the new Whitmix is uh, is a digital Whitmix. Mm-hmm. We currently have the Sega brand of printers that we're repping, and the 4K just came out, which is super exciting. We They should be hitting our door possibly next week. Uh, and it's a great printer that has a massive build plate, and the print time is going to be significantly faster. Super excited about that. We're uh, continuing to evolve and add to our resin line. You know, we have the Vera Splint, which is a hard splint. We have the Vera Guide. We have our models, and we're working working on two or three additional resins that we hope to introduce this next year. And then really, we want to start trying to target, in addition to obviously our long-term relationship with the labs, we want to try to target the dentist, the clinical side. And we have a printer ourselves called Avera Build Printer mm-hmm. that we are hoping that uh, not only is, is it a, a printer that could be used at the lab, but it's also at the right price point and the right speed and accuracy to be able to take to dentists themselves when they want to do you know some chair-side dentistry. So we're really going to work in here the last couple quarters of 2020 and then 2021 on trying to make a, a relationship directly with the dentist. So we're excited about that. I think we have the right product lines to do it. And hopefully here, the other thing that I think we're going to be coming out with in the not too distant future is it being some type of intraoral scanner. Oh, wow. Yeah, we're excited about that as well. And then we'll, we'll have a full line of equipment and products, including the material that runs across those equipment to offer the lab and the dentist. So it sounds like Whitmix never had any hiccups in the research and development of anything during these times. You know, we actually had a couple of those people have been put on layoff, which has been, you know, really tough for us because we were really, really working hard in that first quarter to to get these things going. Yeah. So I think what has been the saving grace there is that everybody's in the same boat, even that these manufacturers are all dealing with the same thing. So we've all kind of taken a pause. But right now, these last two weeks, those conversations have all started to heat back up of, okay, looks like this thing is getting ready to open back up. Let's be ready to go as soon as it opens back up. So we had so many things in the works before COVID happened that it's that really, it's just picking that ball back up and, and running with it. Yeah, it's true in the labs too. I mean, as soon as word got out and Offices started opening. People started getting excited. We're having conversations about equipment. We're only two weeks into it. So I know. I know. Everyone's excited for everything. So that's great. Yeah, for sure. Awesome, Pat. I appreciate you coming on. I love Whitmix and all that you guys do. And it was great having you on. And I appreciate it. Yeah, me as well. We love your show and really appreciate the time you've given us. And uh, can't wait to continue our partnership together with you guys. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Pat. 
We appreciate Pat Higgins for coming on to the podcast to talk about how Whitmix has been dealing with the pandemic during these times and what they've been doing. I'm sorry that I missed that, Elvis. I actually had a migraine this morning and I was super sad that I missed it, but you did a wonderful job. It's nice to hear that they still have a lot of exciting things in the works and looking to be a full force in the coming week. We appreciate their support of the podcast. So well done, Elvis. Yeah, I appreciate that. Whitmix is a great company. You've been around for well over 100 years and they're a good supporter of our industry and we appreciate what they do. Yep. So this week, it's a little bit different than what we usually do. We talked to some tax people. Yep. It's not the most exciting topic in most people's minds. We understand that this topic might not be relevant to all of our listeners, but I think it's important that even if you're not an owner or a manager, knowing about these things that these guys talk about could really add value to what you bring to your lab. We sat down with Adam Herman and Doug Kolker. These guys are two CPAs from the Mueller-Prost firm. They've been working with dental laboratories for a long time and want us to take advantage of what's called an R&E tax credit. Now, this is where labs get cash for what so many of us are already doing already. Yep. It's all about the research and experimentation. That's the R&E. Mm-hmm. So this is a perfect time for labs to be taking advantage of this wonderful opportunity and get some much-needed revenue while we're all still trying to get back to the new normal. Not only that, but we also talk about some different tax credits labs can take advantage of as we get back to work from this whole COVID-19. So join us for some interesting tax talk with Adam Herman and Doug Coker. Barb, I got a call from a doctor who's looking for a new lab. What? That's awesome. Did they start to send you work yet? Yeah, but unfortunately, her impressions are terrible. Miss margins, distortions all over. I don't know what to do. Well, she's probably looking for a new lab because the last lab stopped taking her impressions. You know, bad dentists, they go from lab to lab to lab. Yeah, that's probably what she's doing. But, you know, I just got this account. I don't want to lose it. When I talked to her, I asked what impression material she was using, and it was some brand I've never heard of. Yeah, there's a lot of crappy impressions out there. I don't understand why offices use cheaper materials to save money up front, but in the end, it ends up costing them twice as much and with all the remakes for us and for them that they end up doing. And, you know, we got to eat the remake costs. Yeah, that's so true. I really wish I could find an impression company I could rely on for help and the doctors can get the help they need for us to get the records we need. So there you have it. Check out Kettenbach. This German-manufactured impression materials taking the U.S. by storm. Not only do they use top-notch patented technology, but they have a dedicated customer service team that will work with your accounts, which is amazing. Interesting. So do I just call the doctor and tell her to switch? You know, what if she doesn't want to? Well, you know how doctors are. Most of them are pretty open and say, hey, if I can do better, please let me know. So if I was you, I would tell her to call Kettenbach Direct, Give her the number of 877-532-2123. They've actually got a $99 starter kit. They will put her in touch with a local rep. And they also have a lot of materials that labs use every day, like the Panacell Lab Putty Hard and Lab Putty Soft. They've got soft reline. They've got bite registration material. And when a lab orders, guys, listen up, 25% off your first order. All you have to do is mention the code Dental Lab Podcast 25. Plus, 
They sell direct, so there are even more savings. Whoa, wait a minute. I've heard about that lab, buddy. We use it here in our lab. I didn't even realize it was made by Kettenbach. That is amazing lab putty that our technicians love. I'm going to check out kettenbach-dental.us right now and then call my new doctor. So just hearing Elvis say it's an amazing lab putty, there you go. There's a super awesome recommendation. So call him. Thanks for your support of the podcast, Kettenbach. Thank you. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. All right, we'd like to welcome to the podcast a very interesting topic that we don't cover a lot, just because I don't know if there's a lot of people that do it. But we're talking to two gentlemen from Mueller Prost, who are both CPAs and here to talk about dental labs, taxes, the R&D credit, and kind of post-COVID-19. We have joining us Doug Kolker. And Adam Herman. How are you guys? Good. We're good. How are you doing? As good as we could be during these times. That's for sure. <laughs> so Elvis is at home. Elvis has been at home now for what would you say, Elvis? Five, six weeks? I'm on week seven, I believe. Wow. wow. Yeah. Well, you're probably going a little crazy yeah. by now. Yeah. And so what I really wanted to do is sit down with some people and talk about taxes because <laughs> I thought that would be a great thing to occupy my time. Well, from what I've heard, it is a really great thing. And a lot of uh, people in our industry are talking very highly of you guys and the fact that they're getting substantial tax credits back. So welcome. Thank you for having us, for sure. We love working with dental labs. I've been working with uh, dental labs for about 15 years now. Yes, I know. And I believe Nike Dental was a client at one time or is still a client. So good to talk to you again. Yeah, nice to talk with you too. Do you guys exclusively work with dental labs or is it just an aspect that you look at? I, I would say that working with dental labs is a passion of ours. Uh, we've worked heavily with the dental labs uh, over the years, but we work with a variety of different industries across the board. Even uh, a sister industry, the orthotic and prosthetic industry, through uh, a partnership with another R&E firm and have been making some great headway there. Uh, we do a lot of work with manufacturing clients, uh, a lot in the plastics industry, hmm. integrators, uh, software companies. Uh, so you name it, there are a lot of uh, companies that are investing time in the research and experimentation area. You pretty much need to. You need to be investing in new ways and improved ways of doing things to just stay competitive. How did you find out about the dental lab industry? I mean, was it through the other side, the orthodontics? No, really what happened was there, there was a major change to the Arnie credit back in 2003, where they eliminated what was known as the discovery test. And before this credit was around in the early 80s, it was mainly for pharmaceutical companies. But when they got rid of the discovery test, that really it meant that you didn't have to be the first in the industry to come up with something before you had to file a patent, you had to prove it, you were the first. They changed it so if it's new to your company, then it counts. So even if you were the last lab to come up with something and it was new to your lab, it would count. So it was a major change getting rid of this discovery test in 2003. So in about uh, in 2004, one of my partners was attending the uh, NYU Tax Institute and he brought back the changes on the research and experimentation tax credit. And then I had the training on my desk 
And at the same time, I was doing a business valuation because I'm also a business valuator, done that for a number of years. And I was doing a business valuation for Keller Labs. Oh, and yeah. Keller, you know, sold to National Dentex a number of years ago. And you all probably know Larry Weiss. And we went to Larry with this idea and said, Larry, you know, everything we've, we've learned about the dental lab industry and now the changes with this tax credit, the dental labs industry should be taking advantage of the, would you be willing to go through the process with us? And he said, sure, let's, you know, let's do it. It took me a couple of times going through it with him. And, and he is a very sharp guy. And he got it quickly and we wound up generating a substantial dollars for Keller Lab. So then Larry said, you know, the industry really needs to know about what you guys are doing. Would you be willing to speak at Cal Lab? So in 2005, we went ahead and presented to Cal Lab. And I remember there was like 550 people there. It was very well attended. Yeah. And the response was absolutely tremendous. Tremendous. And from there, we have now worked with over 150 dental labs, generated over $18 million in dollar for dollar tax credits since that moment in time. 18 million? 18 million. Wow. That's pretty substantial. What is the average? So if it's a a larger lab, obviously they get a larger tax bracket, but somebody, um, I've heard a couple figures of about a hundred grand. Is that accurate? Um, It could be. It's important to note that there's 35 states that have this R&D tax credit program in addition to the federal program. Uh-huh. So all of a sudden, if the lab is located in California, you're pretty much doubling it. So if you're getting back $100,000 federal credits, you're, you're probably getting back $100,000 for California. You're at $200,000. What's also interesting about this credit and why you're hearing about labs getting back substantial dollars is because it's a retroactive credit. You can go mm-hmm. back to all of the open years. So right now we're focusing on 2016 17, 18, and 19. So it definitely adds up if a dental lab has not been taking advantage of the credit. So we have seen labs that are five to 10 million getting two to 300,000. We have worked with labs that have maybe 30, 40 different labs as part of it getting several million dollars in credits, especially since uh, these larger labs operate in many different states that happen to have the Arnie tax credit program too. It has been you know, substantial. We usually like to work with labs that are a couple of million and over. For the ones that maybe are doing research that are smaller, we'll still give them guidance, but you might not need a full-blown ARNI tax credit study. It might be something more limited in, in nature for the smaller labs. Interesting. Yeah, and Barb, so you have till July, Adam had mentioned 2016 is still an open year. We have till July 15th. Uh, before that year closes for the most part due to the COVID extension. Hmm. And then the other other thing is this is a wage-based credit. So it's generally based on the wages of the lab. So, you know, that's why the larger labs obviously are getting greater credits. We would say on average, we see somewhere between, you know, 15 to 25% of wages qualifying. Um, And we can get into, you know, what qualifies and doesn't qualify in a little bit or now, however you want to proceed. Before we get too far, can we break this down into layman's terms or something that I can understand? (laughs) What exactly is R&E credit? Is it research and what? So, So the credit itself is for the development or the improvement to a product, 
process, technique, formula, software, or an invention. So in the dental labs, we're really looking at the improved or new processes and techniques, you know, and then some labs will have proprietary products they develop. So for example, a, a lab gets a new porcelain or a new investment or a new material from a vendor to try out. It's not, you just take that material and put it into your production. You've got to go through some process of experimentation to test it out, model, you know, systematic trial and error. Uh-huh. So if you go through any form of a testing or process of experimentation, as it's called, and it's a technological in nature improvement, meaning relying on hard sciences, engineering, uh, chemical, biological sciences, this is all called the four-part test. And then the fourth part is that there's some form of uncertainty at the beginning, meaning can you do it? Method is how do you do it? Or the design uncertainty and just be uncertain in one of those three areas. When you talk about those three areas, take me back. So you're going back to 2016. From what I can recall when we did it, don't you have to have certain notes, meeting notes, some sort of log, you know, where it tracks the progress of the actual material and or software or all the things that you're implementing? So the government prefers you to have as much contemporaneous documentation as possible. However, we can rely on estimates as long as there is some form of underlying documentation. So again, if you're talking to a lab that has never done this before, obviously they probably did not keep time records like accountants and attorneys do. So that's what we do. We come in and we help them go back to those open years, figure out what projects they worked on, who worked on them and then estimate within reason how much time those individuals worked on it and then go from yeah. there through you know kind of recreating a time log uh, of some sort or project allocation you know to support the percentages uh, we've worked with enough labs that we know for example implant technicians or the implant department generally is a little bit of a higher department because of all the design uncertainty but if you get into you know a department modeling let's say that doesn't maybe have many new things going on if all of a sudden we see somebody with a high percentage we may come back and say okay what are they doing different than what we're seeing at other labs and that's where the projects correlate with the labor percentages and all of that and that's how they work out the tax credit itself from the the amount of hours and the money spent on the projects or the money and labor spent on the projects? Yeah. So for example, if Barb at your lab, if you're spending 50% of your time doing R&D activities, we would then take 50% times your box one of your W-2 and that becomes the qualified wage. Got it. So if you make $100,000, 50% qualified, 50,000 goes into that end bucket. And so, but there are two other buckets too that we haven't mentioned. So Wages is a majority of what we see in the dental lab uh, industry. The other areas we can look at is one is called contract research. And that is we can take 65% of the fees paid to an outside individual or company doing research for you. So if you sent a case out for testing or designing or anything like that, we can take 65% of those fees paid out, usually based on a 1099 or a general ledger account. And then the third category is supply costs. And what we generally see, and this is for materials consumed in the research. And in the dental lab industry, it's been a little more difficult tracking that because a lot of the new materials, you know, porcelains and investments, a lot of the your vendors will give you a small sample for free to try out. 
Um, so you don't have a lot of out-of-pocket costs. Mm -hmm. However, if a lab, for example, with all the new 3D printing and milling, if a lab is able to track, you know, the pucks that they're using for testing out a new piece of equipment or testing a new case, we can take those material costs tied to that project or that case as a supply cost as well. But generally what we've seen is most of the material costs are just put into inventory, pulled out of inventory, and it's hard to track. So what are some examples of common R&E credit that labs are seeing? Are you talking about projects, like different types? Yeah, of just like, okay. you know, for someone that looked back in the last two years and said, this is something that I think has been R&E. What are some examples of people been doing? Well, anything with new, like porcelains, trying out different porcelains. I mean, you're trying to get to a natural life-like, you know, look to it. You want something that's durable, translucent enough. You know, there's all of these variables that go into designing uh, new crown and, and bridges. So in the porcelain mm -hmm. types, you might, a lab might be dealing with like Jensen or Avanti or Nortaki or Vita. And you're trying to see which, you know, which portion would be at the right price point, the right quality. It's easy to handle. You know, what yep. would work best? You have all those variables. Sure. We're seeing a lot, you know, implants has always been a, a very strong area. You have like full large fixed and removable options. You got those all on board implant dentures and surgical guides that are really working in conjunction with the oral surgeons. These screw retained hybrids, screw retained zirconia bridges. Anytime you're dealing with these combo cases, it involves a team of technicians. You know, you're involving people from various departments. You're involving the doctors. Uh, you're going back and forth and going through different alternatives of what would be the best restoration for the patient. Mm -hmm. So it's not like you're just pulling stuff off the shelf. And we constantly explain, you know, like what qualifies and what doesn't, because it's important to have a balanced approach. Like I can give you an idea of what wouldn't qualify is all of a sudden if you are working with a certain porcelain, you like the porcelain, you've proven it out. And then you say, I'm going to use this porcelain to do these crowns in future cases. Well, it's been proven you're in commercial production. So that would be considered more like adaptation, which is an excluded activity from the R&E credit because you're not doing any more trial and error. You're not you already know that it functions and it has good performance. So that's when the, the RE clock stops. But when it comes to uh, dealing with a lot of, um, you know, some of the crown and bridge work and all of the variables, I mean, in essence, a dental lab at the end of the day is a custom manufacturer. Mm -hmm. You're dealing with each patient is different. And because each patient is different, it makes it more complicated than if you or any other just custom manufacturer where it didn't have to interact with uh, a person. And what makes it more complicated, as we all know, is that people need to eat. They need to drink. They're having foods of different temperatures. Uh, they might have a, a glass of hot tea one minute, and then they have something very cold the next. There has to be a way of having these restorations work to have the proper quality, the proper durability, the reliability of it. And the higher up you go with some of these restorations, the more complicated it is and the more research and uncertainty is involved to, to get to that point. So over the years, we've developed 
pretty much a library of all what we call this business components. So when Doug was talking about new products and processes and formulas, we've taken this and categorized these uh, research projects in different categories so that when we're meeting with the, the lab owner and, and their staff, we are able to show them a master list and go through and say, have you done this? Have you done that? And it makes it a lot easier uh, to remember what they've worked on. Yeah. The other thing that's unique about the dental lab industry is that each lab is, you know, one lab can get one a porcelain to work and use it in commercial production and away they go when another lab can't get that porcelain to bond at all because of the different humidity and environments that each lab is sure. in. So that's that's what's really unique about the dental lab industry. So when you guys get involved with a laboratory, do you actually come on site for a couple of days or do you do things via Skype or what does that look like? Are we talking pre-COVID or post-COVID? I was going to say, <laughs> now. Um, I would say pre-COVID and then how are you doing things right now? Well, pre-COVID, we definitely would like to come out to the lab. You know, one, it helps educate the lab's staff, you know, because we sit down with the managers and above for the most part and some of the lead technicians and walk them through kind of like we're doing here, what qualifies, what doesn't qualify, Mm -hmm. help create the project list, help with the project allocation, plus take a tour of the lab because usually if we can get a tour, we'll have gotten a preliminary list of projects that a lab owner thinks they've done, but through the tour, we'll get see other things out on the floor and say, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried that? And all of a sudden, you've developed a greater list, which in turn will you know, create a greater credit. Yep. So that's what we've done. Pre, and it's usually a day to two days at most at a lab. We work, spend maybe an hour at most with each individual. Um, if you've got a general manager or somebody that's heavily involved, you might have a little more time with them. So it's not too intrusive. Post-COVID, I guess we might have to start doing more Zoom meetings initially for the rest of this year. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see yeah. how, how that all will go. Yeah, it shouldn't be bad using Zoom at all. Yeah. I think yeah. it'll be fine. Pretty much the way we're going. Right. Especially if someone gives us a tour throughout the lab, it would make things a, a whole lot easier too. It's really not that difficult to do through Zoom. So we'll definitely be doing that going forward. Yeah. First of all, I want to start by saying that I really respect how much you guys know our industry yeah i mean adam you're naming things that even the guy that does our taxes at the lab doesn't even know about (laughs) i think that's real important when people are looking for this type of opportunity that you guys understand what we're doing well it's funny you mention that because when we were teaching our staff all of this great terminology we put together a course called tooth camp (laughs) and we went through every single thing that you've been working on i remember Back in the day of going out to uh, Issaquah when they had the big lava machines. Oh, yeah. Big, heavy lava yeah. machines. And they had to have like reinforcements in the floor and, and people were using that as kind of a central milling unit. And now all this great scanning technology that's out there. We've just seen it all. We, we've seen a lot of the, the challenges, too, and we try to communicate that. I mean, Doug alluded to it when he was talking about like different investments that were made in the mixtures that were done and why certain labs were frustrated because they were at higher altitudes and different humidity and they couldn't understand even within labs themselves that they, they had different locations. They might've been in one entity, but each yeah, lab yeah. wasn't fully communicating with one another. 
So some of these larger labs had have actually put together their own R&D center. So for best practices for all of the different like locations at primary and satellite labs. Wow. So I've got an off the wall question. Can manufacturers apply for this or is it just a laboratory already? Oh, definitely manufacturers. A lot of these manufacturers probably are taking the credit. I think that the word got out to manufacturers even earlier than uh, some of the labs. They are constantly in a state uh, and they usually have a an R&D you know, budget that's put together. Mm-hmm. If they haven't, they definitely should take advantage of it. One thing to mention is that sometimes th- there's manufacturing facilities in the United States, but they're owned by a foreign company. Mm-hmm. And they might just have their own in-house person doing a, a U.S. tax return here. But they don't realize that there is a tax credit program in the United States. And there happens to be these programs all over the world. Uh, because it really, at the end of the day, a, a tax credit is there to an effective tax rate. You know, what are you really paying at the end of the day? So countries all over the world have a similar type program. Canada has a great program that's similar. Theirs is even a refundable credit. Yeah, to follow up on the manufacturers too. So back to where Adam was mentioning about being done in the United States. So what we've seen with a lot of the dental lab manufacturers or vendors is that a lot of the R&D might be done overseas and then the company might have a distribution and sales arm here in the United States mm-hmm. and distribution and sales would not be a qualifying activity. So that's where you run into a little bit of a, in the dental lab manufacturing world, limited on some. But again, if they do are paying U.S. wages for research and development here in the States, then they would be eligible. To use your example of porcelains, if a vendor got the R&E credit on a porcelain, labs can still get R&E on that same material after the vendors have already got it? You're asking a great question because here a, a manufacturer has come up with a porcelain. Yeah. They don't have the knowledge. The labs are part of the whole R&D effort. Yeah. So until it's out in the field and working at, in their climate, in their environment, and also interacting with whatever substructures they're working with. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember the, the days with CapTech was such a, an interesting material. And, and you know, yeah. it's, it's how it interacts. It really gets into the, the coefficient thermal expansion between these materials. Yep. Also, until you have it in practice, You don't actually know if it's going to work. And it might work there for a short period of time, but it doesn't then have the longevity that it should have or the durability things. You don't want to all of a sudden hear back from dentists that, hey, this didn't work. You want to make sure you have it figured out well in advance. I'm using a new material right now. And I was on a webinar on Friday for an hour and a half. And the webinar was about the material maturing on different substructures, some zirconia versus lithium disilicate, for example, and they both go into the oven and they heat up at different ranges and the material acts differently on the entry temp of these two different materials. And some people were getting pits and some people were getting poles. So, I mean, that's a great example of it. Even though manufacturers worked it out, does not mean that all, you know, your laboratories have 10, 12, 15 different ovens that they're using for each material and they all are calibrated differently. And so. Exactly. You're exactly right. That is exactly what it's all about. Yep. Doesn't the LMT magazine, they do the, uh, the sweet 16, at least they used to do that. Like the best crowns that could be produced out there. 
Oh, I haven't seen that in a while. No. Yeah, it's been a while, but I remember they used to do this Sweet 16 contest, hmm. and it really hit on those points that it depends on the ovens and where you're at and what you're mixing together. You know, who can, who can make the best crown at the end of the day yep. at the right price point, right? Yeah. So that brings up an interesting point with Barb watching that webinar. Would that be included on the tax break? The Heck R&D? yeah. I'm thinking, hell yeah, right? I mean, I'm so, according to Barb, yes. <laughs> well, that's how I'm developing the product, so I would assume so. It's sort of a gray area because training does not count. So that is specifically stated. However, you taking what you've learned now and taking back into your lab, and now you're sitting at the bench trying to play around with that material or that process then that clock, you know, the R&D clock would start. So the R&D clock kind of can go on and off. You just have to kind of look at each activity that you're doing and, and kind of always going back to, is it a technological and nature activity? So can you write off the whole trip to Lab Day Chicago because you're researching new materials? You cannot write off the hard costs. <laughs> Those you would not get. The travel costs wouldn't. Some of the time now that you, depending on, again, what you're researching might qualify but that also could fall under market surveys and uh, sure. things like that. That again, marketing, sales, commercial production, those are all non-qualifying activities. Interesting. Sounds like it's a lot of gray area and you need to partner up with someone that really knows the stuff to decide what works with it and what doesn't. Exactly. You really have to make sure what is routine, in essence, adaptation or duplication of effort which wouldn't qualify versus what actually is being done that qualifies. And there's plenty of different categories that, you know, we talked about the crown and bridge, the dentures, the implants, the porcelains, all of that great stuff, the 3D stuff that is out there right now. But labs spend more time working on improving their products than they actually think. So, you know, we try to make it very easy. It sounds sometimes daunting at first, you know, because we talked about the current years is 16 through 19, but we also have to come up with a base period because this is a credit for increasing research activities over a base period. You know, if we're looking at the year 2016, we have to look at 15, 14, and 13, establish a base, and then have the 16 credit. So that's why, you know, it, it does take some effort to go back and to have these different categories and to jog everyone's memory of what they were working on. Sometimes you know, the records do help on the supplies that were ordered, you know, at the time that, uh-huh. that normally helps out. You know, that's something to think about. You know, one other thing, too, that, that we haven't mentioned. So, you know, one of our processes for working with a lab is that we do a um, what we call a phase one analysis, a no cost estimate to a dental lab. So we spend quite a bit of time and and effort on our end at at no cost to the lab to get an idea of, are we talking $10,000 in credits a year or $50,000 in credits a year? And, you know, we basically just need to get some financial information like, you know, an employee roster with job titles and box one wages, um, some Mm -hmm. tax returns, to make sure the credits can be used and that there's cash flow to the business and to the owners. Because these credits do flow through to the shareholders if it's a flow-through entity. So we put a whole estimate together before we are even ever engaged uh, with a dental lab to come up with, here's, here's what we think you're eligible for for each year. Here's how much cash flow we think you will generate. 
and then that's when we would put our budget together. Sure. And to see if it's worth it to the lab to go through the process. Exactly. Interesting. So once you get your tax credit, so do you have to take a percentage back to 16 and a percentage back to 17? How do you guys break that up if it's, say, a four-year endeavor? Right. Each year stands on its own. Okay. So it would be a 2016 refund that, that the lab would get, or if it's a flow-through, as Doug just mentioned, it would go through it to their individual returns. So each year you would get a, a separate check for each okay. year that you, that you filed a refund for. And the government pays you interest on that check. So you would get interest from 2016 forward. So you'd get four years worth of interest. Wow. Okay. <laughs> nice. I'm sure a lot of people would be much interested in that after they listen to this podcast, if they haven't already heard about you guys. That's pretty amazing. I mean, that's substantial for a company our size, I'm sure. And it's, you know, the timing of it works out really well right now because as the labs start ramping back up here, you know, after the COVID in the next few months, these refund checks could be hitting or being received right about the same time to help with cash flow and to help get everything up and running again. So the timing could be great. And the labs, unfortunately, are slower right now. Some of the lead department managers and supervisors that we need to talk to have a little more time on their hands. Yeah. Yeah. Agree. That's what I was going to say. It's perfect time. You know, I know that our management team here has been working on several projects, but if you think about it, the, the amount of return and the amount of time that we have right now, it would be a great time to, to work on this. Right. Because yeah, cash is very important right now, as we all know. So this is something that's sitting out there. It's something that laboratories should have been taking, you know, every year for years now. You know, it's a dollar for dollar credit. It's the same as cash. Mm. So they get to deduct these wages because that's normally a question we get. You get to deduct these wages and supplies and you get a credit on top of that. And interest. The one thing you don't get to kind of double dip in for the credit is the if you purchase a piece of equipment. So if you're you know looking at a new scanner or milling or 3D printer, you get, you know, you're yeah. depreciating that as an asset. But the time involved of getting that up to commercial production is what would be considered R&D. I see. So does this apply to all size labs? You know, your three to five to six person lab all the way up to the, the barb labs? <laughs> I mean, every lab is doing R&D. Yeah. You know, because it's a wage based credit, it really becomes more of economics more than any yeah. anything else to determine, you know, is it worth their time? how much you know effort on our end. The one thing I will say is this credit is permanent. It was made permanent uh, a few years back so that every year, you know, we would recommend doing an updated study. Obviously there's not as much time involved because you're only focusing on one year. Yeah. But you do have this the plan to do some tax planning and year-end planning each year knowing that you've got this credit. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about labs during this COVID-19. We might be a few weeks behind by the time this airs, but hopefully, and when we're recording this, some states are starting to open up and some labs are starting to bring some employees back in mm -hmm. to hopefully start revamping and getting back up to quote unquote, the normal. What can labs be doing in your guys's experience to kind of weather our way through this? Well, there's a few different things. Look for programs, you know, similar to the R&E credit. There's also the work opportunity tax credit. So when they start rehiring people, uh, new people, because it has to be on new people uh -huh. that fit a certain criterion, they could look into 
that benefit, which is up to $9,600 a person. So that's something else. Uh, there's changes in the NOL rules. So you can go back because we're coming off uh, the last several years of really good profitability. Mm-hmm. So if there's losses that are now generated, you know, going back and generating some NOLs. The other thing is, and I'm sure a lot of the lab owners have been doing this with going through different plans for cash flow, you know, coming up with that daily in and out, um, you know, log of what cash is coming in and going out and getting a very good feel for that. And of course, you know, working with the dentist on, on any payments that could be made, you know, the dentists are, are shut down too right now, but having good payment terms is, is going to be very important when the dentists uh, start servicing the patients again, and they're going to want the labs to uh, start working on the cases. Yeah. So the, the dentists that are better paying, you know, it should probably get the attention. The ones that have been clients for a long time will definitely get the lab's attention in doing that. So, you know, focusing on those relationships that have uh, really the anchors for the lab and making sure the, the key personnel are there and lining up all of those folks to you know work on these cases going forward. So I, I'm sure there's been adjustments on the accounts payable side and, and trying to prioritize payments. You know, who do you pay per first? Who do you need to pay? Who do you need to pay when you, for the PPP, you know, doing that calculation, that's a, you know, a hot topic of how much debt will be forgiven, you know, which is at the end of the day determined by the banks. Yeah. So we've been advising people maybe by the time that this is, well, it still probably will be an issue the time that this is published is we're advising clients to have a separate bank account uh, to account for all of these expenditures with payroll and rent and utilities separately so it can be easily traced so that there are no issues when the forgiveness of the the loan is calculated on that ppp money so those are just you know a few things that need to be done you know looking at the inventory levels that they have you know really taking a a really good snapshot of of where they're you know they're at right now Uh, a lot of uh, labs have furloughed employees as you know You know, there's going to be an issue with some of the loans. You know, if they didn't have the employees back, then the PPP would be an issue. But there's other programs, other SBA programs that are out there, too, at very low interest rates. I like that. Great advice. I know a lot of people are thinking about that, um, especially on the terms. I was thinking, you know, the laboratories are probably going to act like uh, banks for a little while until our clients get back on their feet. And how do we partner with them and help them through that? Right. And we all need income coming in. So I think that's going to be a, a really uh, important things for labs and, and dentists to work through together to help each other to, you know, get back on our feet. And do it goes hand in hand, hand in hand. Everyone needs to get paid yep. and to keep things going. But the, the, the good news with this industry is that uh, there's going to be pent up demand. Yeah. People have been holding off work that needs to be done. And it doesn't go away. Yeah, I've been saying that all along. That's what we're hoping for. I'm super optimistic. <laughs> yep. I think people are going to be, I've talked to a couple of clients um, last week alone and they're booked up from the middle of May, June, July. I mean, I think, you know, I think people still have their insurance or held on to it and they're just waiting for the opportunity to get back. I'm sure they're going to want to make sure that they're being protected and that the doctors are following the correct PPE and keeping them safe and as well as the laboratories. But I, 
I have a, a real strong opinion that we're going to get back to work real quickly once we do get back to work. Right. Right. Everyone's accumulating money in their HSA accounts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's not anything except groceries right now for the most part. And those bills seem to be going up every, every week. <laughs> yeah. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what it is. Are we eating more food or <laughs> yes. the yeah. price is going up? I don't know, but I've noticed that trend. And the dishwasher's getting run every day. Oh, yeah. twice least. a day. Yeah. <laughs> It's funny. We used to go out to restaurants a lot, and we thought eating at home would save us money, but for somehow it hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well, excellent. Is there anything else you guys want to mention to our industry, to some of our listeners about taxes and the dental lab? I would say is that the dental lab is a very hardworking individuals involved in this industry. I really feel that, you know, our experience has been that people love what they do. Mm-hmm. And they love creating, they love improving somebody's life. You know, it's very few professions that you have that direct impact. You know, it's something that's eating, which is near and dear to all of us, the, the, the ability to be able to chew properly and digest food and all the studies that have been done of uh, dental health linked to the heart and the brain of how important it is. And there's just great, great people. That's why we love working with this industry, very dedicated people. And they're making a difference. And I would say, hopefully, everyone is hanging in there and we want people to do well. I think labs were doing very well before this all hit. There'll be some more safety protocols put in place, but this is a, an area that will continue to thrive and, and do well. But we, but we have some, you know, there'll be some challenging hurdles on the safety side, but we believe that everything will work out just fine. Here, here. Yeah. I'll drink to that. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay, one day in person again. <laughs> I think that's the other reason why your food bills are higher. Too much drinking going exactly. on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was sure. going to say that, but I didn't. I, I did that a lot on Facebook <laughs> before uh, before COVID and then after. Yeah. So, but I do also oh, see a yeah. lot of people out walking and running and biking. I've seen more people out the last month than I've seen in ten years. So yeah, got new neighbor, neighbors you never knew you had. Yep. Yeah. You know, one last thing is we have a COVID resource center. I know a lot of firms now do, but we constantly are updating that. So you can go to millapros.com and go to our COVID resource center because there's a lot of information there on the SBA and all these loans and and different ideas about cash flow and taxation. And we also have been publishing various different dental lab publications the last couple of months. Yeah. So um, for definitely look out for that. We're very big into educating and sharing knowledge. That's what we're all about. You know, be on the lookout for that. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Saw that in JDT article. Very good stuff. Oh yeah. Great. Well, we're here to help for sure. Yeah. Well, awesome guys. We appreciate you coming on. Doug Kolker, Adam Herman. Appreciate it so much. Great, great conversation about taxes, the R&E credit and the COVID-19. We appreciate it guys. Well, thanks for having us. Nice talking with you. You too. All right. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you later. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. A big to Adam and Doug. You guys are amazing. And we learned a lot. Like I said, I had already been through it. And taxes is not always a fun conversation, but it is a super important one, especially now where we can all use a little help. We love how these guys have taken the time to learn about our industry and really get to know what we are doing. If looking to get in on the RE tax credit, get in touch with them ASAP because, as you know, I think it's uh, 
extended the taxes, but not for long. So if you want to get it in this year, you need to get rolling. All their contact information can be found on this episode's show notes. Oh, yes. As we know, or as you might not know, June is CDT month and Dental Technician Appreciation Month. Last year, we asked people to send us audio on them thanking the dental technicians in their lives that made an impact. Maybe it was a mentor or a fellow coworker or a family member. Maybe it was a sales rep or a company thanking a team. If it has anything to do with our industry, we would really like to hear from you. Super easy. Just record yourself on a phone or computer. Mention your name, where you are from, and who you are thanking. Send it to info at voicesfromthebench.com or contact us on Facebook, and we will play them all in the month of June. I can't believe it's almost June, by the way. I know. It's crazy. This is your chance to say thanks to that special someone or people that you are thankful for. And we all know that we could use some thanks right now. So I'm thinking I got to thank my dad and my son, lots of people. So thank you, Elvis. I appreciate it. Don't forget to thank me. <laughs> <laughs> Last year we did it and we had some really good ones and we encourage other people to do it. It's really fun and it gives you a chance to really publicly thank those that you are thankful for. It's really cool. Yeah, I know. It's really great. And June is right around the corner. So get cracking, people. <laughs> Let's go. Hope everybody's safe, solid, and back to work, and things are starting to look up a little bit. I hope we see good things ahead, Elvis. I do, too. I am counting down the days till I can go to a restaurant. No doubt. <laughs> all right, everybody. That's all we got. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good week. Bye. See ya. Are you at work, Elvis? I am, yeah. I don't have a three-shaped design station at home, Barb. I don't know what you have, but... <laughs>